LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we have some very interesting and exciting points to make about discipleship and something that recently has been fairly popular in church discussion. If you've been looking at and listening to the, uh, I would say maybe the theological winds around the church, what is something that has currently become popular or at least come to light in recent days that has been a little bit divisive between different church leaders. Mm, going with the big words already. Big words. Is that is that an actual word? It is a uh, word, yeah. Dylan may have to correct. Divisive? Is it divisive or divisive? That's the question. That's I think we'll that's two out, words, we'll actually. <laughs> divisive or divisive? Okay, that's keep going. That's what I want to know. Keep going. So this topic could be divisive mm. or divisive, depending on how you look at it. But it's a challenging topic. We've heard people we love on both sides of this discussion. Yeah. And so that's part of the challenge. Sometimes these types of issues have that uh, great leaders on, on maybe on both sides of this. So here's the question that I've been leading up to. Okay. The old Testament and the new Testament. Okay. They work together as the word of God. If you pick it up in a store, it says on the side, Holy Bible. Right. <laughs> just to be technical. Uh, just yeah. to be clear. Uh, we know there's some other things out there. The Apocrypha. Uh, we, we've got the Book of Mormon out there. You know what's there. interesting about the po- Apocrypha? Craziness. Fun fact about the Apocrypha. What is a fun fact about the Apocrypha? Did you Bell know every Bible until I think it was like 1940 had the Apocrypha in it? Really? Yeah, about 1940. All I think the way up to the 40s? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 1930, wow. 1940. I'm pretty certain. I had certain. no idea. Dylan can fact check that, but I'm pretty certain. And so if you, and the reason I know this is I have a lot of these old Bibles that I've collected. Really? Every one of those Bibles has the Apocrypha. I'm going to need to have that fact check. Keep Dylan. going. Fact check that, Dylan. He's he doesn't believe me already. He's got a lot of work okay. to do. Today. And we got Andrew Finney with uh, us. And we got, we got Dr. Finney. Dr. Finney. Um, Dr. Finney is here with us as well. And he's fact checking too, I've noticed. Either that or he's texting someone. So as we move into this discussion, Old Testament and New, some recently have kind of made a uh, a provocative statement okay. that we need to uh, quote unquote unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. Uh, interesting language there, but I think the idea is let's focus on Jesus. Let's focus on loving others. We have an old covenant. We have a new covenant. Um, and so, my question to you, Pastor, just to get started with one of the easy ones. Okay. Uh, easy question here. <laughs> if the old covenant has been abolished, yeah. Uh, why do we? Why do we need the Old Testament? How yeah. important is the Old Testament in our study and application? How about that? This this is a long, uh, multiple podcast answer, but let's start. <laughs> you have, you have <laughs> 17 minutes. Yeah, it's a very long <laughs> answer, but let's just start. We'll see where we go. Okay. I would say the first challenge for us is we are, and it's not even our fault, we are products of our environment. Therefore, right. we are Westerners in a Western culture influenced by Hellenism and Romanism, okay? In, in the mindset of Hellenism and Romanism, the centerpiece of, of all creation was the human, was man, 
Okay, it's it's what's in it for me. Uh, you know, every Westerner right. tunes to the same radio station, W I I F M. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Exactly. I think I've heard that one before. Okay, I and so got it. and I and so yeah, for the Westerner, the the salvation of the individual, the success of the person is paramount to anything else out there. Whereas for the Eastern culture, the culture in which Jesus came, the culture culture in which the Bible was written, both Old and New Testament, was more of a communal culture. Okay, God was the centerpiece mm-hmm. of all things, right? It was the it was the worship of God and the glory of God. Okay, so what do I mean? The problem we have when we study the Old and New Testament is we are looking at the New Testament particularly as only a manual to follow, right? A guidebook to live by. Okay, right. And so we we look at all these rules that God gave us in the Old Testament, and we say, man, that's that's too. Uh, that's too constricting. Uh, Jesus got rid of those. He fulfilled them all, so therefore he got rid of them. But what we have to realize is this. God doesn't think that way. He do, the Eastern culture, in a sense, that God doesn't operate that way, meaning Western bullet points, theological treatises, hmm. outlines, PowerPoints, uh, you know, bullet point. That's not the way uh, Eastern culture thinks. When God decides to send... Uh, uh, an outline for us to follow. I want you to get this. He doesn't give us a manual. He sent a man. Mm. Sent a man. He doesn't write a theological, systematic the- theology book. That was written by Thomas Aquinas in the 12th century. Later. Wayne Grudem recently. And Wayne Grudem recently, <laughs> right. But yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but he doesn't give a manual. He sends a man. Okay, so what do I mean? When Jesus came, he offered us a lifestyle to emulate. Okay, right. No one in any of these debates would disagree with the fact that Jesus is the model. Right. Not only what Jesus said, but how Jesus lived. Okay, so if we want to make disciples in the same way, or if we want to make disciples that's, that are pleasing to God, then we have to be in the same vein of Jesus. Right. And Jesus was the model. Okay, so what does it mean for Jesus to be the model for disciple making? If we're going to emulate a Jewish rabbi, which Jesus was, and by the way, for those listening, not to offend you, but Jesus was not a blonde haired, blue eyed, Western surfer, American dude. Yeah. Are you telling me he was not a Republican? No, he was not. He's not a Republican or a Democrat. Jesus was a dark pickup truck. Did he have a shotgun? No. Okay. No. Just checking. No, but he did have a sword. Oh, no. <laughs> and he could wield it in Revelation. Moment. Revelation I mean, because of the sword. Yeah. There you go. But the reality is Jesus is an Eastern uh, dark skin rabbi, Middle Eastern rabbi. Okay. So what that means is Jesus is going to live a certain way. He's going to operate a certain way. And we are not only to do what he says mm-hmm. and live like he lives, but we are to obey the things he says. Okay. So when Jesus said to the disciples, and this is what I want to start with. When Jesus said to the disciples, these three words, which Chris were the greatest three words, any disciple would have ever heard back then. Okay. You have to understand in the Jewish culture, there were three areas of schooling that the disciples or any, any follower of God would have gone through every yeah. Jewish boy and girl went through these uh particularly boys but girls at the start and 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 just a side note this is what we do when we go to israel 
Uh, you're actually going this year with that's us right. to Israel. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Finally, I hear all these things about it. Well, that's what I do. I'll be able to step take, into the land. Yeah, you're going to go, which is the fifth of gospel, as someone I can't says. Believe it. I but can't here's believe the thing. It. You're going to go, and I'm going to take you to some of these places. We're going to ingrain you in the culture, discipleship culture, and you're going to walk and learn the way. That's what I try to do on the trip. I try to bring you back. What would have been? What, what, what would it have been like, mm-hmm. sorry, to be a first century Jewish follower of God? Yeah. Okay. At the age of five or six, you would have gone to the first level of study, the Beit Sefer, uh, S-E-F-E-R, Beit Sefer, a house of, of the book, okay? okay. Sefer or Sefer in, in Hebrew's book. At that study, guess what you would have learned at that education level? Would have been like elementary the school. The Ten Commandments. You would have learned the Ten Commandments. What else? The Shema. The Shema, you would have learned the Shema because they they are in books like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. You may want to clarify what that is for those who for the very few who don't know. Yeah, so those first five books are called the Torah. Okay, it's interesting that people don't realize this, but Jesus actually would have gone through every level of study like every other Jewish boy or girl. See, it's hard right. for us to, to to think this way because we always see, at least I do, Jesus is all God, which he is. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand, in his humanity, which it says in Philippians 2, he humbled himself even to the point, uh, humbled himself uh, being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, became a man, okay? right. When he humbles himself, what he does is he is not only fully God, but he's fully man. Meaning, I think Jesus, and this is going to blow some people's minds in a, in a sense, but I'm, I'm doing this to get you to think. Jesus actually had to learn the Torah just like every other Jewish boy in his class. I don't think, Chris, Jesus was in Torah school, yeshivas as they were called, schools, and when the teacher said, quote, Psalm 119, mm-hmm. Jesus stood up and started quoting the law of the Lord. Is, you know, he started quote, quoting Psalm 119. And the students don't look one to another and say, uh, <laughs> that's easy. He wrote the book. <laughs> All right. They didn't say that. Like Jesus in the same spirit of, of Abraham and the same passion of Abraham and the same uh, chutzpah as Isaac and Jacob, as they mm-hmm. say, Jesus learned the word of God. Why? Because he loved the word of God. Okay. So, and, and I'm getting somewhere. So you just follow me. The first school is Bates of four okay. at the age of 10. The girls and the boys separated. The girls would learn the Torah, but they would also learn the Psalms. But after they were about 10 or 11, they went to work for the family. Hmm. Most of the boys in the home went to work for the family. Those who rose to the occasion were were the cream of the crop, if you will. They went to the second level of study, which was called the Beit Talmud. Okay. This is another discipleship study uh, in the community. Uh, the Beit Talmud was called the House of Learning. Guess what they learned during that period? That one, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I don't I have no idea. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, that's no a good question. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the honesty. Okay. They actually learned the rest of the Old Testament books. So that the was first. going to be my guess, yeah. just to be clear. Yeah, okay. So I knew you were going there, but you stopped. The first five books in the first level, the rest of the Old Testament books, 39 and all. And keep in mind, the Old Testament for Jesus was the only testament. Right. He wasn't unhitching himself from anything because ultimately. He'd have to unhitch himself from the Bible. But if he was establishing something new, a new covenant. Um, and I used the word abolish earlier. You used the word fulfill, which I think is no, two I want to give things. you're going two to the punchline. I'm, I'm leading up to the punchline. Okay. That I'm is interrupt, the punchline. I'm interrupting. But here's the reason why we need to take a break. Nice. For this brief announcement. 
and then we'll come back and talk about more of this. Have you been looking for a way to train your church to make disciples? Our team here at Replicate, Robbie Gallaty, Candy Gallaty, Tim LaFleur, Gus Hernandez, and myself, Chris Swain, have put together a digital discipleship blueprint. We've taken our live event that thousands have attended, thousands have been impacted by, and we put it together so that you can get it and watch from the comfort of your own church and show this to your people and use it as a training tool. You will learn how to plan, formulate, and develop a disciple-making culture in your church and its ministries. You can check it out at replicate.org slash buy blueprint, B-U-Y blueprint, replicate.org slash buy blueprint. If you'd like to check out the digital discipleship blueprint. And here we are back. We've been talking about how basically how the Jewish people in their upbringing would learn God's word. Yeah. And we were leading somewhere because the original question was, Abolishment of the Old Covenant. Should we unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament? How does the Old Testament tie into discipleship? Continue, please. Yeah, it's, and it's important. Why are we studying all this? It's important to learn the culture into which Jesus came. G- the reason, just kind of give you one sidebar here. The reason the Old Testament is important and essential for discipleship is because Jesus, that's, that's the book Jesus was raised with. That's the words Jesus embodied. Yeah. When it says Jesus in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word uh, was with God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What word is he talking about? He's talking about the new Testament. No, that's not even formulated to the fourth century. Mm. <laughs> People think, yeah, he was the word. He's the new Testament. No, he's the embodiment of, of the whole Old Testament, in the sense the only testament of God, the Torah of God, right. he embodies that, right? Yeah. Okay. And the support for us to understand this culture Jesus was raised in, because you'll see discipleship is such a part of it. Okay. So Jesus would have been a part, just like everyone else, uh, of the first level of study, the Bates of Four. It's questionable if he went through the second level of study. Probably so, but he did not, I don't think, went through the, go through the third level of study, which we'll get to. After a person went through the Beit Talmud, which was the house of learning. They studied the uh, they studied the the Old Testament, all the books. They studied uh, oral tradition. You got to re- remember when God gave Moses the law. The rabbi said he gave him the written law in the Bible, and he gave him the oral law, which is the Mishnah. That's what Jewish rabbis would believe. He gave Moses two laws: the the written law, which is the actual word of God, and the oral law, which was the commentary on the word of God. Okay, uh, a Jewish good boy would a good boy would have gone through that. They would have learned phrases. They would have perfected the Hebrew language. They would have understood the culture and the festivals. After they get to the age of fourteen or fifteen, Chris, they have a crossroads they come to, and at this crossroads, they can either go one of two ways: they can either go work for the family, which most of them did. Yeah. If the father was a was a fisherman, what did they do? They became a fisherman. Nice. If the father had a vineyard, what did they do? They were picking grapes. You were two for two. If the father made sandals, what did you do? What did they do? They were they were making sandals. Yes. Okay. Three for three. Now you're on it. <laughs> yes. And here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Most Jewish boys went to work for the family business, which is interesting because if we go to Mark chapter one, when Jesus is walking by the seashore, he sees Peter and Andrew in the boat fishing with James and John with their father in the boat with the hired hand. Why are they all fishing? Because they have not gone the way of the rabbi. They've gone the way of their family business. Yes. Yes. The father was was a fisherman. They, right. Zebedee had a fishing enterprise, right? So he sold fish. And so they learn. And, and what it shows us was they didn't make the cut, Chris. Mm. 
They couldn't make the cut. They weren't smart enough. They weren't good enough because here's what would happen. If they were smart enough, if they were sharp enough, if they had chutzpah, as mm-hmm. they say, passion, then they would have gone on to the final level of study, which would be like a PhD in a sense today, yeah. a master's mm-hmm. you know, a degree. And at this level of study, it's called the Beit Midrash or the house of study in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. At this level of study, they would spend the next... 15 years of their life from the age of 15 to 30, not in a classroom, although they learned schooling and insight, but following a rabbi, they would actually go find a rabbi and they would ask the rabbi, can I study from you? Which is very interesting. And I'll get Hmm. back to that. They would say to him, I want to be your disciple. So rabbis at the time of Jesus, Rabbi uh, Gamaliel, remember him? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't, but the disciple name Paul. It sounds like okay. Disciple gotcha, gotcha, Paul, gotcha. Uh, Gamal- Acts chapter five. Got okay, uh, Akiba was a rabbi. Hallel, Shammai. These were all rabbis, uh, either at the time or after Jesus. Okay, you would go to the rabbi and say, "Can I follow you?" The rabbi would say to himself, "Is Chris Swain?" Probably wouldn't be Chris. Oh boy, it looks like I'm a fisherman. If Chris, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> actually, you, yeah, yeah, you're doing sandals. No, uh, is Chris Swain? Um, good enough? Is he sharp enough? Does he have what it take takes to be a disciple? And then he would drill you. It would be like an oral exam mm. in a PhD program or an entrance exam. They would ask you questions about Torah, ask you questions about interpretation, ask you questions about phrases, and ask you questions about history and festivals and customs. And if they passed the test, if they were the best of the best, which very few were, they would say the greatest three words in English to you in Hebrew. Do you know what they were? I can take a good guess. Okay. Come follow me. You're on it today. Come <laughs> follow. He's on it, Dylan. Come follow me. And at that point, what? And you have to understand what the words mean. And this is the point of discipleship. The words come follow me, don't, they don't just mean come learn what I know. They don't just mean come uh, understand what I understand. The words come follow me mean you're going to walk like I walk, live like I live, love like I love, and lead like I lead. Hmm. Okay. When Jesus said to the disciples, come follow me, he was saying, you guys are going to do exactly the same things I'm going to do. Now, obviously... Jesus is God, so he does miraculous things and you know preaches in a way they never preach. But in a sense, when a rabbi would say, come follow me, he was saying to them, you're going to live like I live, love like I love, and lead like I lead. Now, here's what's fascinating about Jesus. In all of Jewish history, Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, is the only rabbi in all of Jewish history to go out and find his disciples. Hmm. Okay, this is what you got to understand. Every other rabbi was approached by the student, by the disciple, and they would say, can I learn from you? Thank God for Jesus. He goes out and finds these lower than, lesser than, overlooked, looked over men who have been passed by by the rabbinic schools of his day. And he says to these guys, come follow me. Aren't you glad that there's nothing in us that would ever merit to be Hmm. a a disciple of Jesus? Because in and of ourselves, uh, we couldn't earn it and the disciples definitely couldn't earn it. So you got to understand, let me put you in Mark 1 uh, of 16 and following when Jesus calls the disciples. When they hear those words, Chris, Matthew, Andrew, Peter, James, John, Matthew, just the next chapter, come follow me. 
when they heard that Galilean accent say those words across that, that sea, mm. they realized it wasn't just, I'm going to learn a bunch of information. I'll understand doctrine or theology. It was, you were going to live like I live, love like I love, lead like I lead. And you're going to be, you're going to be my representatives to the world. Okay. So to answer the, the question we started with, to be a disciple of, of Christ, okay, to be a, to be a follower of God, in the same vein and and th- thread as the Old Testament, which Jesus was a product of. Right. The question is, what did Jesus teach these guys? What did they learn in the discipleship relationship? How to pray. Okay. Where did they learn how to pray from? From Jesus. Right. From the Old Testament. Gotcha. Like where did Jesus? I mean, obviously he's God. Yeah, he created prayer. Right. But okay. <laughs> How did they learn obedience? As Jesus instructed them on the right. on the encounters of the Old Testament. How did they learn obe- uh, uh, um, spending time with the Lord? Encounters of the Old Testament. How did they learn um, dependence? And how did they learn satisfaction? How did they learn that they needed to not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, Deuteronomy 8.3? They learned that because Jesus brought them back to the Exodus encounter, and he says, hey, you see where these guys messed up? This is where you shouldn't mess up. Right. So when Jesus gets to the Emmaus Road, right. okay, you ready for this? And he does a Bible study. Imagine being at that study. I mean, golly. Yeah. <laughs> where Jesus just from memory, you got to understand, yeah. Jesus doesn't tell, the, I think it's a couple. I believe it's a couple because they invite him into, uh, they invite Jesus into their home. But regardless, this, this couple, these two people invite Jesus in and Jesus from rote memory Obviously, he's God. He's risen at that time. But from memory, Jesus just quotes scripture after scripture. And he says, you remember Genesis 3? That's about me. Remember Genesis 12, calling of Abraham? That's about me. Remember Genesis uh, 15 and 17, when the sacrifice uh, and, and the uh, the commitments made with God? That's about me. Genesis 22, Isaac? That's about, I mean, just goes through. You know, Exodus 3 and the burning, but yeah, oh, that was me. And he goes through. And these guys at the end are overwhelmed because they just got an exposition of the only Hmm. testament, the Old Testament. So to answer your question, which is part A of part B, which will be the next time time, we'll 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 talk about, because here's the question then. Okay, if Jesus used the only testament to disciple his followers, and if we're in the same vein of Jesus, in the same, of the same, mindset of Jesus, following our master, then shouldn't we incorporate the same book? <laughs> this is another just insight I'm thinking off the cuff here, but so many people want to disciple people in the way that they were discipled in. So if you were right. discipled in the master plan of evangelism, or you discipled in yeah, Operation Timothy, read. or growing up, or whatever, then you feel God. like that's the only way to make disciples. Okay, that's why we tell people you want to make disciples with the Bible. Right. Because the Bible is the only thing going to change your life, not any of these other curriculum studies right. or, or Bible studies. Okay. But Jesus is our master we emulate, and he used the Bible. Yeah. Okay. So the question comes down to, and we'll pick this up next week, which will be a great spirited study. What does it mean when Jesus says, I did not come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it? Mm. Okay. What does abolish, and the key words there are abolish. And fulfill, and I'll give you a little insight. Fulfill actually means, this is interesting, to fill full. What does it mean when Jesus says, I've come to fill full? I've come to color in the area. I've come in, I've come to fill in the blanks. What does that mean? 
Next week, we will find out here on Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. We need to wrap it up this week, however. Dylan's going to give us some answers on a couple of questions we had after we talk about our partnership with LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. And our friends this week, we need to discuss our Ask Me Anything Ooh. with J.D. Greer and Todd Unzucker. These guys, are they put together a great podcast. Interesting questions, interesting answers from a, a brilliant mind in J.D. Greer. And so check out the podcast when you get a chance. Friends of ours, we highly recommend it and enjoy listening to it as well. Dylan, is it divisive or divisive? Either. Either or oh, yes. Yeah, I like nice. That. I like that. It's a it's both and. Right. Oh, okay. And then what was the other question? Uh when was the apocrypha taken out? Ooh. When was it taken out? From a really legitimate looking website. Okay. A really legitimate looking yeah, website. I don't have a lot of so faith in that. But keep going. Here. Okay. A really legitimate I can find is eighteen eighty. Oh, even earlier. Even earlier. Okay, even eighteen eighty. Think about that. The, every Bible printed. That's crazy. That's hard for your mind to wrap. Basically to the 1900s had the apocrypha. Thanks for joining us today. We will talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.